0: Oh, and welcome to the Friday, July 10th, 2020 edition of On Iowa Politics. In case you're counting, there are 117 days until the next election begins. Woo-hoo. This week, conventions, cash and masked messages. Hi, I'm James Lynch for the Cedar Rapids Gazette. With me today are Amy Rivers for the Cedar Falls Waterloo Courier. Good morning, Amy.
1: Good morning, James.
0: And Gazette columnist Todd Dorman. Good morning, Todd. Good morning. You can find us on Facebook, follow us on Twitter, and subscribe to On Iowa Politics on iTunes and Stitcher. First up, skipping the conventions. Senator Chuck Grassley said this week that whether it's in Charlotte, North Carolina, or Jacksonville, Florida, or both, he's going to skip the Republican National Committee Convention, uh, where President Donald Trump will be nominated for a second term. That is, unless James Carville is right and uh, Donald decides to chuck it all and return to private life um the face mask wearing grassley said he's taking a pass because of concerns about the coronavirus public health officials have been warning that such gatherings of thousands of political enthusiasts shouting screaming and otherwise projecting uh, coronavirus of uh, aerosol could lead to covid-19 spikes in the host cities democrats are going virtually virtual for their convention it will be anchored in milwaukee but most delegates will be participating remotely um Senator Joni Ernst is planning a one-day in-and-out visit to the RNC, gathering she probably has a better use of her time on the campaign trail in Iowa, and Governor Kim Reynolds, as of now, is planning to attend. Uh, I haven't heard from all the congressional Democrats, whether they will be in Milwaukee or watching from their front porches. Second District Representative Dave Loebsack uh, spokesman says that the retiring congressman won't be going to Milwaukee but is waiting for guidance on state or regional democratic events. So uh, Todd, what are the political risks here? Do you risk upsetting your base if you don't go and do those benefits uh, of attending the convention outweigh the health risks?
2: Well, I mean, you know, we've seen in, you know, at the presidential level and also probably some somewhat in the Senate race that, I mean, Democrats are sort of trying to argue that the, the president and Republicans haven't taken the virus seriously. They haven't responded to the pandemic in a strong way. And I guess these conventions, if the Republicans kind of insist on having this in-person gathering, which will definitely be sort of against the advice of uh, local health officials in, in whatever communities they're, they're going to hold it in. Uh, I mean, that's going to be the contrast is that Democrats are taking it seriously and that the president is having a you know another rally to to buoy his his sort of flagging numbers. So, uh, yeah, I mean, I suppose it's possible that some Republicans might look, you know, look poorly on on office holders that don't go to the convention. But, you know, let's face it also. I mean, these conventions are are not terribly substantive anymore. I mean, the, the nominees are picked. They're mostly big infomercials for the parties where they give speeches and drop balloons and have some nice visuals. And, but I mean, you know, they they don't actually serve a real function other than to sort of rubber stamp the nomination of the party's standard bearer. So, I mean, you know, if Carville's right though, and and (laughs) the president decides to to take a powder, I guess that would make the Republican convention a lot more important, but I, I have a hard time believing that's gonna happen.
1: Yeah, there's no way that's gonna happen. I, 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 I <laughs> and and I would also say that um, for Trump, who is the standard bearer of the party, um, even though it doesn't matter, even though a large rally of his doesn't matter, and and having those in person things doesn't matter, it has that psychological effect to speak to that base. Like we're still out here, and we're still going to have this because this is how we fight, you know, coronavirus, and this is how we win by meeting in person, like we've always done. And I I would be very surprised if that went away. I did read in the Washington Post uh, yesterday that they're considering, the Republican Party is considering having the convention outdoors. So that might be an interesting way to get on the fence senators like Joni Ernst interested in the convention, But Yeah,
2: there's there's nothing like standing outside for a few hours in Jacksonville this time of year.
1: (laughs) Good Lord, yeah. (laughs) If
0: you won't won't wear a mask, will you wear sunscreen? (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> yeah. Uh, speaking of Joni Ernst, uh, Amy, um, are the calculations different for people who are actually on the ballot this year? Uh, it does it matter less that Chuck Grassley is staying home than if Joni Ernst takes a pass on going to the convention. And, and I guess, what's her best strategy? Does she show up for a photo op, a Fox News hit, and get out of town before President Trump arrives at the convention? Or does she do a grip and grin or elbow bump with the president, and then head back to Iowa.
1: You know, I got to think that most of these people are being tested, just like anybody that would be around Trump is, is sort of being tested. I would hope that that's sort of going to stave off a little bit of this um, and, and maybe put people's minds at ease. Um, but yeah, otherwise, you're sort of just walking into the unknown, like we all have been throughout this whole thing. Um, But, yeah, I think, you know, if you look at Susan Collins, which maybe isn't a good example because she's quite moderate, um, she said that she doesn't go to conventions in years when she is running for re-election. So it's possible that um, Ernst could adopt a similar strategy and point to Susan Collins as precedent for that strategy. You know, I've decided not to go because I'm running for re-election and I need to spend time at home. And I think that that would play fine. You know, I think that seeing her at a convention is not exactly, you know, Unnecessary thing, particularly since a ton of people won't be there. But I think you're right; that photo op might be really key. I mean, let's keep in mind: in 2016, she was a prime time speaker at the Republican convention, and to see her fall like that from grace when she's already facing a really tough reelection might be a little much to swallow. I bet she at least has a presence at the convention, if only briefly.
0: Sure. Yeah, I I imagine she will attract some attention being there. Uh, She is on the ballot, um, and yeah. So she'll probably get some attention being there, which is good for her base, uh, I guess, to get that sort of attention. And and Democrats, of course, will say she was, I suppose, reckless and going and all those sorts of things. You know, both both sides will make as much political hay out of it as they can. Um, uh, Todd, um, do you think Steve King will be going job hunting? Perhaps.
2: Yeah, I don't. I don't think Steve will be there, but I, I could be wrong. I mean, maybe he'll. Maybe he'll be anchoring uh, One American Network's coverage of the convention or something like that. (laughs) You
0: know, it's interesting. Uh, Senator Grassley, four years ago, said he really didn't want to go. You know, it's too expensive. uh, It costs so much money to go to these conventions. So uh, maybe the coronavirus is doing him a favor this year, giving him a good (laughs) good reason not to go and spend any money uh, at the convention. The other, um, I guess, winner perhaps in this uh, are TV networks who every four years say like, yeah, we don't know why we're covering it. Like Todd said, um, you know, there's not a lot of news. It's a big infomercial. It seems like this will give them an opportunity to really scale back coverage of the convention um, since it, it doesn't look like there will be any news made there. However... There's lots of money to be made in, in this campaign game. Uh, second quarter numbers are rolling in, and despite the antipathy Americans have for politicians, politics remains a great way to, to raise money. They, they keep donating. Uh, the big news in Iowa this quarter is the $6 million woman. Teresa Greenfield led the field with a massive $6 million haul for the April, May, June quarter. Uh, that dwarfs, dwarfs the previous Democratic senatorial candidates have done. Um, for example, in 2016, Patty Judge raised 500000 a number that is hardly impressive in U.S. House campaigns today. In the 2014 open seat race uh, between Bruce Braley and Joni Ernst, he raised $1.26 million to her $1.37 million. Um, so $6 million is uh, quite a step up from there. Uh, Amy, uh the other big news, I guess in the the fundraising numbers that we've seen so far is that first district challenger Ashley Hinson outraised uh incumbent representative Abby Finkenauer uh one point zero three million to eight hundred and seventy five thousand Hinson now has more than one and a half million dollars cash on hand um, What if anything, do the numbers tell us about these races?
1: Well, I think it's so close. I mean, yes, she outraised her by one hundred and fifty thousand, and that's not nothing. But as you point out, we're talking about a lot of money here. Hinson raised over a million dollars, I think a million point oh three and then Abby's at eight hundred and seventy five thousand. So it's still quite the race. I mean, and they're still both raising buckets of money and and from thousands of donors. So I think they just keep if they just keep hammering their message, keep hitting up donors, I think that's really gonna um, work for both of them. I, th- I think Finkenauer should be worried. I think that Hinson is a rising star in the Republican Party even before she is elected to any sort of national seat. Um, and that's gonna that backing is really going to help propel her and Finkenauer has to figure out ways to circumvent that. And I mean, so far, you know, if you're not putting out good news, like you have a better quarter than her or, you know, you hit her with a super good ad, you're kind of behind. I think she really has to step up her game. And I think she's been trying to do that slowly. Um, She's got some virtual events that she's really hammering home right now. Um, She's on an event with Biden today. Um, She's been, you know, sort of holding teletown halls and that sort of thing. But I think think she knows that she needs to step up her game. And I think uh, if her team's smart, you know, they're really going to find ways to do that.
0: Todd, uh, is there a ceiling on campaign fundraising? I mean, people always say that they want limits on the spending or they want public funding of campaigns, but those issues never rank very high when people, you know, our priorities are ranked uh, when like Gallup asks people, what are the most important issues in this election? Um, so has this become sort of like a nuclear arms race that as much as we know, it's not a good idea. No one dares to blink.
2: Well, I mean, you know, every cycle, the campaigns get more expensive. I mean, in this case, what will be interesting is to see, you know, you talk about a ceiling. Well, I mean, there's limit, there are limits on in federal races, how much you can give to an individual candidate, but there will be no limits on how much money outside groups will be able to raise and spend. So if, you know, if 2014 is any indication, you know, the, the outside groups will spend far more than what the candidates. Spend. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So, you know, in that way, you know, the candidates will will raise a good amount of money, and then obviously they like, they'll be running their own ads and doing their own voter outreach and 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 organizational stuff. But it's 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 a lot of times now it's these outside groups that come in with tons of money uh, and usually messages that a candidate might not even want to take responsibility for. Later <laughs> on. You know, so I mean, and they and they tend to sort of set the tone, unfortunately, and that's that's what we've seen in the past. And I have a feeling. It, in, in the Senate race especially and, and and probably in these congressional races that have drawn you know a lot of outside interest as being sort of battleground races that we're going to see you know a lot like we saw last time I went when Finkenauer ran and I forget which group it was that that ran the ad that that had the socialist tornadoes that were going to be unleashed. <laughs> if she won. So I think we'll be seeing more more outrageous stuff like that funded by you know either a handful of rich guys or God knows who,
0: we won't know in most cases
2: (laughs) yeah in many cases we won't
0: yeah
1: do you think it's smart then that um finkenauer you know is hooked with biden's campaign and and is actively you know helping him too and helping him fundraise that she will get that notice from those outside groups that are backing him
0: oh it probably doesn't hurt her no um
2: well, yeah. I, you know, I think they, they think this is going to be a good Democratic year. So it's, you know, she doesn't she doesn't really lose anything by being, and she can only really gain by being associated with the top clear ticket because there's, you know, positive feelings among Democrats right now. I mean, that's the opposite for Ernst. There's a lot of worry that, you know, the president is part of her problem. That You know, the, the, sticking close to him has sort of hurt her. And, and so that makes, we were talking about going to the convention. I mean, those are the kind of things how close do they want to be to Trump? And they, I mean, that's a tough calculation because the base loves him, but it's all those folks in the burbs and in the middle mm-hmm. that, you know, don't now. So, yeah. But yeah, I think Finkenauer being, I mean, she she endorsed him before it was cool, you know, when he was running the property and got fired. Yep, <laughs> that's so, right. and, and he he came out and fundraised for her during her first campaign. Right. So I think, yeah, I think that's that's been a, you know they've they've got a they've kind of bonded.
0: Yeah, I think th- that question is much easier for Democrats to answer than for Republicans this year, as Todd was explaining. But uh, yeah, well,
2: yeah. until until Joe, you know, takes a <laughs> laugh or does, does something that sometimes Joe does.
0: <laughs> well. Let's talk about masked messages. Uh, After months of indifference or hostility to mask wearing for public health reasons, even Republicans are getting on board or or at least some Republicans, Uh, even though she doesn't think they should be encouraged at school. Governor Kim Reynolds has been seen wearing a mask. Joni Ernst is following the lead of Senate Majority Leader Mitch McConnell, who some would say should wear a mask at all times. Uh, Senator Chuck Grassley has a mask wardrobe that includes uh, farmer red bandanas, camo mask, and even a UNI purple and gold mask.
1: He's on point.
0: Yeah, he is. <laughs> 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 what would it take to get everyone to mask up without them being required? Of course, I'm thinking if the if the Biden campaign puts out masks with a campaign message, uh, and, and maybe it has, and I just haven't seen it, will Republicans be forced to respond in kind? Uh, maybe a mask that says, masked for MAGA, not because it's good for me. Uh, both candidates could have masks with messages, uh, insert foot here. Uh, and so mask might become the new political t-shirts, the t-shirts of political expression. Amy, <laughs> if you were going to design your own mask, what would it look like and what would your message be?
1: Uh, just the regular black with white lettering. I stayed six feet away from you before it was cool.
0: (laughs) (laughs) All right. All right. Todd, uh, would you opt for the branded Gazette face covering we've all been given, uh, or black and gold or something more political? Wait, you
1: guys got a branded Gazette mask?
2: You bet.
1: Oh, Courier, step up. (laughs)
2: <laughs> oh, you didn't get a mask. <laughs> oh, no, yeah. I guess that sends a clear signal about
0: Whoa, sorry, Todd. <laughs>
2: nope, we
0: know who's essential.
2: Did, not, did they, like, send them to you in the mail, or how did you Did you have to? Uh,
0: like, no, you had to pick it up at the newsroom.
2: Oh, well, that's probably why I didn't get one, because I it's haven't It's probably laying there. on your desk. I haven't been there since March, so. Oh, okay. Yeah, still working
1: for <laughs> Nice.
2: <laughs> yeah, so, I, yeah, I would love to wear that nice that covering uh yeah the, the team logo ones are, are selling like hot kicks so we can yeah. wear them to all the games that aren't going to be played I <laughs> uh, Yep. i saw a, a hannibal lecter mask that i thought <laughs> was, was uh, charming. nice might not be too bad but i think that would go with just the basic black it's it's elegant it goes with every outfit it's you know you can dress down formal you know it's just a little black mask i guess and,
0: and you are a man yeah. of fashion
2: well of course of course i mean if only you could see my my ensemble right now i'm uh, uh. <laughs> wearing a linen suit with a really nice
0: no seersucker today huh
2: no it's it's at the cleaners it's you know oh. <laughs>
0: Well, as my family would tell you uh, i'm adver- i'm averse to uh being a walking billboard for any product or brand uh I used to go so far as to cut the tags off my levi's
2: uh, <laughs> <Wow>.
0: so
1: <laughs> like the tag that nobody can see you mean
0: uh yeah <laughs> So, uh, I'm good with just a generic paper mask, Um, but if I do have to go with a message, I might uh, steal Melania Trump's, I really don't care, do you,
2: message. (laughs) There you go. Or it could could be for the people not wearing masks, it could just say, you don't care, do you? Oh, turn it around on them.
0: Yes, exactly.
2: Yeah, then will be then you get in arguments. <laughs> exactly. You don't want to be you don't want to be arguing in the in the friendly aisles of High <laughs> V. Uh
0: yes, because they're smiling under those masks.
2: They are. The helpful smiles have gone undercover.
0: <laughs> they should get those clear plastic shield the mask with the shield over your mouth so the so the lip readers can see the smile.
2: I've seen the ones that people have that, that have a smile and they're it's a little disconcerting, actually.
0: Ooh, the jo- <laughs> Maybe the Joker smile. The
3: yeah,
0: Joker, yeah.
2: man.
0: <laughs> <Yeah>. Okay. <laughs> Let's leave it there. That's it for this edition of On Iowa Politics. I hope it was worth your time. If you liked it, tell a friend or subscribe uh, to us on iTunes or Stitcher or wherever you find your podcast. Send fan mail to podcast at thegazette.com. And you can find us every week on the homepages of the Quad City Times, Sioux City Journal, Muscatine Journal, Mason City Globe Gazette, Waterloo, Cedar Falls Courier, and the Cedar Rapids Gazette. New trick will take us out. And if you know an Iowa band or musician who should be on our show, send us a sound file and subscribe to On Iowa Politics on iTunes and Stitcher. For Amy, Todd, and our producer, Stephen, I'm James Lynch. Thanks for listening. Stay well.